There are some people that go through their entire life without a clear direction, aimlessly wandering from one thing to the next. And then there are others that from a young age know exactly what they want to do, driven, dedicated, and focused. Today, we're going to speak with a master tecalero that as a teenager knew that he wanted to know everything he could about producing tequila. I'm talking about Jose Valdez and Tequila Partida on this episode of the Agave Social Club Podcast, hosted by me, Doug Price. This is the Agave Social Club Podcast. I'm your host, Doug Price, and we are talking about all things tequila. On this episode, I am speaking with master distiller Jose Valdez with Partida Tequila. Jose, thank you for being here and welcome. Thank you, Doc. It's a pleasure to be with you today. Yeah, absolutely. We've got Partita. We've seen this brand. Before we get into the history of Partita, I want to hear your story. I want to hear what's your background, what led you on this journey to become the master distiller for Partita. So if you don't mind, share a little bit about your background and how you got into the industry. Sure. Okay, my story starts with a few key memories that I had in my childhood. I'm a Mexican living in Guadalajara. And I was raised visiting farms and ranch from my family and relatives in Jalisco. Okay. I was something normal to me, walked around the corn, beans, sugarcane, agave fields, while playing with my seven brothers, my many cousins, uncles, aunts, I mean family in general, as well as interact with the workers, the farmers and their families. So I had great memories during the whole year, but especially during the raining season just because we use the water groove as a slide and also great memories during the corn harvesting time, September, I think is the time, because farmers, you know, interact with farmers is, is amazing and they do something called elotiza, which is right by the fields under a shadow of a big tree, such as, I don't know, Camachín, Encino, Parota, big tree. And I learned that the interaction with the people in the fields is important. And also the hard work that they celebrate with their products. So everyone's connected from the fields to whether that's distillery to the farms. Every, everyone's connected for sure. Yes. And one very important fact in my family was that my dad took care of his mom, brother and sister, when he was uh, 13 years old, moving to other city due to my grandfather's addiction to the alcohol. I think this fact had a huge impact in my dad personally yeah. for in a, in a good way. And one of the results of this is that he decided not to drink any alcoholic beverage except two caballitos of tequila once a week. So since I was a kid, I remember every Sunday, religiously, my dad used to sip two caballitos of tequila, which is a shot glass, Mexican shot glass. And when we came back from the Catholic Mass, and in preparation for the weekly barbecue, he was lighting the, the grill, the, the asador, and we were sitting in our backyard. So he was listening all this Mexican music of Jose Alfredo Jimenez, Antonio Aguilar, Piporro, reading or just enjoying some appetizers such as, you know, guacamole, chips, peanuts, jicama, and, and pepinos. And he didn't drink any other day or any other, you know, social event or, or, yeah. or whatever. Because of, of, I think, the, the fear of, of becoming a problem, no? or, or yeah. repeat the problem that he had with his, his dad. So he, he said, okay, to me, I'm going to only choose to drink tequila and two tequilas per week. And so he, he made a very special moment on Sunday. 
And I learned that it was a ritual that he really enjoyed and appreciate this nectar, and it was something special. So when me and my brothers and sister grew up, my dad used to put in a locket cabinet these precious tequilas, because you can imagine the reason, right? Yeah. Uh, I learned to sip tequila rather than to shot, yeah. and to take the time to enjoy and respect all the labor and time that the, the people is in the fields, and drink responsibly with responsibility and eat, not, not in a, I mean, not in a cocktail. A great respect for it. I mean, just seeing what your father laid out for you to go, this is not, you know, here in the States, it's it's known to party, you know, tequilas take shots. And that's why I do the show, to try to tell people this story of the hard work, we'll get into the process, but the hard work that it takes to make this from the field to the glass, the time, the energy, the love, you know, this is all about tradition. This is all about culture, heritage. And, you know, for you to have that at a young age, as you saw it, I'm sure it did impact, you know, your, your thought process. And then what got you into, is, is your background, do you have an engineering background? I, I thought I read somewhere an engineering background. How does that jump happen from coming out of school and solving problems engineering to making tequila? Well, I did study engineer. And the reason I studied engineer is because my dad is engineer as well. And okay. one of the business of my dad was to build deep wells to extract spring water for farming, okay. uh, ranches and factories in Jalisco. So I learned the, the importance of, of the water in any industry, but especially in tequila production, visiting, you know, a few distilleries, mainly in the Highlands. So my dad used to take me to with these uh, owners of the distillery in Highlands. In that time, it was just a few distilleries and they paid in cash. No, they, my dad built this uh, spring water uh, deep well, and then they pay a briefcase full of cash. So I remember my dad. I was happy that day, obviously, because he can pay the, the salaries and everything. Yeah. But the, the true happiness is that the people, when you provide water for a productive, because they know that it's going to bring hope and it's going to yeah, bring, bring life. life to yeah. their business for many years. So I was uh, that memory. So when I start asking your, asking your question about my education, uh, when I was first in high school, I started doing some research about tequila because I said, okay, now I'm in an age that I can, I mean, not completely allowed to drink tequila, but be honest, I, I start drinking when I was 15, 16 years old. Yeah, this is a part of the culture. Yes, in Mexico it's, it's, it's legal 18, but I, since I was 15, 16, I, I was, uh, start tasting because my, my dad educated me to taste and sip, not to just get drunk yeah. and, and focus on quality over quantity. So yeah. I start doing some research about many distilleries in that time. Not, not as a kid, but now as a young guy that is, he was interested in tequila industry. So I noticed that the production, it was very simple, but it was complex at the same time. Yeah. Uh, simple because it was just some, the same raw material, agave, tequilana, whatever, baritier, blue, and water, if it's 100% pure agave. Yeah. If it's mixed, then another type of sugar. But uh, yeah. But then also the production process is the same. It's just cooking, milling, fermentation, and distillation and aging. And, you know, uh, as, a, as a young guy, it's a, it's a super easy production process. No? It's, uh, how can a, a hundred, less than 100 distillers can produce more than 800 brands in that time, let's say in 1999? Yeah. So I get m many questions. I say, how, how uh, one distillery can produce multiple, one NOM, which is the, no, the number, can produce multiple brands with different profile. 
without additives, no, in a, yeah. in a natural way. So I, I said, okay, in order to understand that, I need to prepare myself. So when the time come, I studied college and I decided to start an industrial engineer to understand more. I, I was between industrial engineer and chemist, but I, I decided industrial engineer because the interconnection between all the all the unit operation starting from the field onto this bottle, because uh, chemist is important yeah. for the transformation, physical chemical transformation. But industrial engineer, it's a, it's an oversee of the whole production process, and that's why we get this certification of Maestro Tequilero that oversee not only the master distiller, not only the distillation, but all the process. It's like Maestro Ronero that see all the process, not, not only the distillation. And in the whiskey and other industries, they say the master distiller. And people think that it's only distillation. And distillation, you need to go way back to the fields to, to correct something because in the distillation, it's, it's too late to correct something, no? to do yeah. the things right. So I started, yes, industrial engineer, and I learned... You know, you can imagine many concepts, but I will say <laughs> the most important two concepts that I learned in, in, in related to the tequila in, in, in college was the a class called Design of Experiments methodology, which allowed you to identify different variables that impact in the result. You know? uh, in a production process such as tequila, there are many variables that impact yeah. in the, into the final profile, organoleptic profile, and physical, chemical conformation of the liquid, no? And, and another concept that I, I found very interesting in, in, in college was the uh, Pareto, the, lay, the Pareto law, no? which is 80-20, which basically sets focus on 20% of your causes that impacting 80% on your results. So people over these more than 16 years that we started Partida ask me all the time, what makes different a tequila? Is, is this the agave? Is this the water or is the production process? I will tell you what, what I think later. So yeah. my dream, as you can see, was since I was a kid, it, it was to get involved in the tequila industry. But I don't come from a, you know, second generation, third generation, fifth yeah. generation. I don't come from a tequila legacy uh, family. Nevertheless, uh, as Steve Jobs says, connecting the dots, my dream become true when I met Sofia Partida and Gary Shansby. Uh, Sofia Partida uh, was born and raised in California. Her parents were both born in Amatitan, Jalisco, which is uh, close to tequila, is the heart of the Tequila yeah. Valley. And they moved to America back in 1930s, uh, you know, to pursue the American dream as many immigrants. And they were very successful, making one of the first farming in Woodlands, uh, California, in the north, uh, close Sacramento. Okay. Her dad, Don Norberto, uh, established uh, one of the first farming business and provide jobs for many local people. And, and obviously, they bring many relatives from Amatitan. And one of these relatives was his brother, which is Don Enrique Partida. Don Enrique Partida was born and raised in Amatitan. And when he was 22 years old, he moved to California with his brother Norberto, the, Sofia's dad, uh, to work six years in the farming business. And this farming business family, it was something unique. I mean, it's something that uh, support uh, local people, but also support immigrants that uh, want to work and, and, and you know make money so they can send money to Mexico. 
And Don Enrique did this. He was he was a very hard worker, and he you know worked six uh, years uh, and collect and save money so he can came back to Amatitan and start buying and investing his money in lands. Eventually, those lands uh, he partnership with some local producers of agave, and they start producing agave. I would say in 1960, 1970. Okay, long history. And supplying, yes, supplying this agave to the three main distilleries in the valley in that time, which is uh, Cuervo, Sousa, and the third one was Orendine. Uh, eventually become a Radura Ver more important, but uh, in that time it was only the three that Don Enrique uh, started reinvesting that money for more lands and for more agave. So people, when the people noticed that it was uh, growing the tequila 100% agave, it was too late because Don Enrique already has many lands and many rep- good <laughs> yeah. reputation. So I want to I want to stop there because I, I love the fact that when you were a teenager, you were so driven, and you said, "I don't know this industry, but I'm going to learn everything about it." Most teenagers today are interested in playing video games, being a YouTube star, or whatever it is. And I just love the passion for you to be around this industry. And, you know, I, I'm I'm not around that industry. I, I'm here in Florida. I'm an outsider that loves it, that loves that there's a beautiful story to be shared with this. But for you to have the passion and then to follow through with it as you're going through school and then to partner up with guys like Enrique, that that passion, it lines up with what you, and you've got the know-how to to get to where you can execute their vision. And he's got the know-how in the fields of growing these agaves. So we're now around 2005 and, and he's starting Partida. You were there from the beginning. What, what was that like as Partida was starting back around 2005? It was, it was tough. It was difficult in 2005 to start because we have uh, the investor, Gary Shansby and Sofia Partida, the connection with uh, Don Enrique Partida. And Don Enrique Partida, we have the agave and the reputation and the knowledge about the fields, but we don't have how to make the liquid. So we started to doing some research about uh, where can we start, where can we produce. So I, I start looking for some, you know, available information, seminars, uh, certification. So no information, not public. The only information, it was from the big companies. And obviously, they pay for this research yeah. and their own information. So they don't share. They don't, it's not public. So what we did was to hire a former advisor that used to work 40 years in one of these big distilleries in, in, okay. in Tequila. He was my mentor, I would say, my, my, my maestro. And he told me how to do tequila, no? And it's pretty simple. He said, you need to learn doing by doing, yeah. experimenting. Exper- yeah. It's the only way. I mean, I can tell you many classes, many. So we did that and we started experimenting in a very small pilot production back before, even 2005, because in 2005 was the launch of the brand. But we started like 2003 doing okay. some experiment, but until 2005, we decided, okay, this is our formula. No, We are not going to use brick oven because we have the two options. We run pilot, and at the end, we destroyed the brick oven and decided to do our clay. Why? I have many reasons we, we decided that. Okay, the rolling mill, 
open fermentation, small pot uh, distillation, uh, uh, both uh, stainless steel and copper with the coil. So just a lot of experimenting, trial and error as you're going through, seeing what taste profiles, what you guys are looking for. Again, having these agaves available that he planted, had the foresight to plant as you're walking through it, correct? Correct. Uh, you just said it correctly. It was trail and error, but with some background, with some methodology, with some advisor. And also we hire a full-time chemist because I said, okay, I'm an industrial engineer, but I know, I know my weaknesses. And one of my weaknesses is that I can, I'm not an expert in uh, fermentation, for in, if you will, yeah. or, or, or cooking, because it's a transformation of the, of the, uh, of the sugar, no? And therefore, we need uh, an expert, and we hire a, an expert. Uh, I would say I call them the veterans. Uh, this guy, Ramon Garcia, already passed away. The other advisor, I cannot mention his name because he's continuing the industry. He, he, and now he's the maestro tequilero of a very well-known tequila, he used okay. to work for a big company, so the, I cannot mention his name. But uh, uh, with these two guys, along with the local people in, in Amatitan and in, in Tequila Valley and in, in, in Arenal, uh, all the valley, we build a team to experiment and to define our production process. Eventually, with the time, I'm talking about 2008, 2009, a few efforts to educate the industry in a more formal way started with the CRT and a collaboration between the CRT and, and universities such as the Universidad Autónoma de Guadalajara, which is a private university, is the first private university in Mexico. And they run a program of one year, and I was the first, uh, the second generation of one year, uh, and they call it Tequila Technician uh, Seminar. No? And I, I took that course, I took uh, certification as an expert in production of tequila. I become member of the Mexican Academy of Tequila and Mezcal Taster. I become an expert in tasting. You know, oh, I, like, I, I love to study, but I love more to put in practice the theory because at the end of the day, if you don't put practice what you learn, it's, it's a wasting of time. It's like a yeah. water that is not, uh, not in a move. It's going to gonna die. So it sounds like throughout this process, I mean, you've had people to walk with you on this journey as you guys are, are, are experimenting. I mean, you know, you said you had some, some pretty big hitters that were walking with you through this. You've got your education. You've brought on the chemist. You've brought on the, the people that are coming alongside of you going, hey, let's try this. And you're tweaking. You're tweaking, hey, do we want brick oven? Do we want autoclave? So as we get into the process of tequila partita, you know, you've had from the beginning, you've had your, your original lineup. And, and recently you've, you've launched the Roble Fino, which we're going to discuss in a little bit but with that original lineup can you start to talk through you know where these agaves are coming from what what may make that difference from whether they're in the valley or in the highlands and then you know you mentioned the autoclave just what that process was and and what some of those characteristics that we can start pulling up until when we get to this blanco yes doc, the main, i'm going to start with the objective of uh, foundation of partida the foundation of partida the main objective was to produce an honest fresh agave tequila that has balance, easy to drink with personality, a sweet and dry, earthy and citric, uh, something that you can enjoy. And when I mention honest, is that we don't want to do shortcuts. We don't want to hide anything. Uh, yeah. That's the reason of the shape of our bottle is very transparent because uh, we just recently gained the verification uh, of additive free from tequila yeah. matchmaker. 
Yeah, you guys are verified at it. Congratulations. Yeah, a lot of brands are starting to, to see, hey, we, we want to be transparent with that. And, and you guys are 100% verified at it free. Yes, uh, Grover and Scarlett, I uh, know them since 2005, 2006, when they start, you know, visit distilleries and, and brands. And they are doing a great job to provide an information and education such as Tequila Matchmaker uh, yeah. to corro a correlations uh, between the brands and the, the distilleries as well as, you know, panel tasting and all this effort. And now this additive free it's it's a it's a positive way. Yeah, it's a great resource. They've they've done an incredible job just creating so much information for people like myself. That's you know that's a fan of tequila that can go on their website and and the work that they're doing. A really great couple. That that's that's great to see. One hundred percent added to free and like you said, an, an honest representation of tequila. In order to achieve that, to to make a premium tequila, we decided not to go with a with the mixtos, no? with just the tequila. We decided to make only 100% agave, and we decided to be located in the valley because uh, the origin of the tequila, the oldest distilleries, and, and is, is, is in the valley. No? More than 400 years ago is the history of the tequila, and they're still uh, found in some very old uh, tabernas uh, that tell us where the origin of the tequila in Highlands, uh, I love the tequilas in Highlands, and I know ma many brands. And uh, but it's a slightly different because it's pretty new, I would say, for the for the history of the tequila. It's 70 to 100 years, maybe, the first cultivation of the agave. Nowadays, uh, Highlands uh, has the biggest part of the inventory of agave, so they have more land, and and that's why uh, the the sources of agave is more in, in Highlands. But we decided to do the, if you will, the old school way, which is the Bali. And 100% agave, to, uh, no additives, uh, is, the, is what we decided. And then to do a small batch, a small batch meaning uh, no, no bigger than, uh, at the beginning it was 8 tons uh, autoclaves, and now okay. we have 15 tons autoclaves, no bigger than that. And to do agave, well, I'm going to split the equation in two parts. One is the raw materials, and the second is the production process. I'm going to speak about the raw materials. And the raw materials is the agave, and the second is the water. The agave, it's obviously blue tequilana Weber, is the, is, is the only... Uh, yeah, it has plan. to be blue Weber, yeah. yeah. Exactly. But, you know, then the NOM006, which is the, that regulate the tequila... It doesn't uh, force you, no, as a producer, to be mature the agave. No, it's just blue agave. No matter if it's a baby yeah, could agave, could be three years, could be yes. seven years. Yep. I mean, and and when we started, I remember Don Enrique walking through the agave fields and saying, "No, oh, Jose, in my time it was 13 years uh, agaves." And when we started producing with the uh, Don Enrique agaves, it was not 13, but I have the the register and the invoices and everything of an average of nine years agave back in 2005. Today, if you find agave of seven years, it's, uh, you are lucky. No? Yeah. Uh, this year we just produced one and it was, we were very lucky to find one uh, predio with uh, seven years old. So age is important, but it's not the unique. And I will say it's not the most important. Uh, maybe people is, go is gonna say, wow. And I said, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. to me, to me, and what I have learned over these more than 16 years in this industry is, is the sugar. Is the sugar, 
And yeah. it's when the agave is mature because you may have an agave of seven, eight, or even 10 years, but not good in sugar and not treated with the, the, the soil and the land. And I mean, it's, it's relative, the, the, the age. It's a correlation between age and sugar content as well. Okay. So Partida focus on an average. We have by contract with our uh, sources of agave because we don't we don't plant agave. We we have sources which is the name Partida Comfricos uh, of Don Enrique Partida and all the Partidas sources of agave in the Tequila Valley. There are many. There are many suppliers of agave, big names yeah. with the last name Partida. Such yeah, a as, lot of I've, a lot of Partida names. <laughs> such as Senem Partida, such as. Uh, uh, Leonel Partida, Jesus Partida from Tres Mujeres, Gildardo yeah. Partida, Alberto yeah. Partida. Alberto, yeah. Uh, so many uh, partidas in Arenal, in Magdalena, in Tequila, not related, completely related, but uh, at the end of the day, we decided to name it Partida in honor of uh, Don Enrique and the labor and the hard workers, agaveros, and the people that are involved that are, remind me my childhood that all the effort uh, of, the, of, of a product such as the tequila is necessary with the labor of these, all these farmers and, and hard workers people. So yes, the agave has to be from the valley, fully mature. That means the, when they reach maturity. And we use the technique called entresaque, which means uh, selecting only the, the right agaves. And the jimadores, they know exactly which one are the best. Even, even though we said, okay, this is big one, they said no. You can see it turn the color like this and yeah. it's not ready or it's novillo cerrado. You have to wait a little bit or it has the quiote. So the quiote was cut. Uh, so they know there are experts and you, everything you have to do is to listen people and to take decision based on that. And, and that's what we do. It's not, it's not uh, I would say it's, it's not uh, cheap to buy agave and to source agave that it's entresaque and it's ultra premium because the constraint yeah. that we put is at least uh, seven years, but now we have to move to six years. And, and a minimum of 24 ART, which is uh, total reductible sugars. Is that like the BRICS, the BRICS level as, as you're measuring? Well, BRICS level, it's, uh, it's, a, it's like five to six uh, units more. Uh, okay. So if we have a... a uh, ART uh, of 24, uh, we can say is like 31 to 32 uh, bricks. Okay. And measure the other, that sweetness there. Exactly. Measure how much sugar, uh, reductible means that can be separated and fermented. Uh, and the other thing in the agave is the harvesting, uh, close harvesting. No? Many people like uh, completely white, uh, like jicamas. We want two uh, millimeters we want wider than green but we still want a little green so okay. it's it's something that we believe uh, you know the bitterness and the waxes that has the plant has in the green part but at the same time we don't want completely 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 white and okay. uh, a weight is another important thing in the agave a minimum of 25 kilograms and this is the, you know, the minimum. Nowadays, in the last three years, it's been challenging the age and the weight because, as you can imagine, the shortage of agave is huge and yeah. it's not easy. Nevertheless, one of the commitments that Partida have and myself is to every production, we go see the agave fields and approve that. And the last but not the least important is the freshness because one of the uh, main objectives of Partida is to produce a tequila that actually tastes like a fresh agave. And that's the reason we, we decided not to use 
stone or brick oven because it's to to me to me it's very very I I like the stone and brick agaves, but for for the purpose of avoid the smokiness that is provoked by the by the cooking process, we prefer to make a cleaner. Uh, process with the stainless steel a big pressure cooker called autoclaves yeah. in a slow cooking so okay. freshness of the harvesting we notice that in the industry when it's massive production in diffusers is is that the agave that is harvest maybe one day might be processed uh, in three days more or four days more so it's going to dry out it's not going to be fresh it's going to lose uh, flavor it's going to lose uh, sugar is going to lose water as well. So yeah. one policy that we have is, okay, we need to start cooking uh, no longer than 24 hours when the gab is harvested. Don't want them sitting out there. Don't want them drying out. Don't want them getting to a place. You want that freshness. So they're going from the field as quickly as they can into those ovens being cooked. And then from there, you said it was going to a roller mill? Yes. Before the rolling mill, I will say the, the autoclaves, it's... Uh, it's like I said, it's, it's a small batch. We started with eight tons, and now we have a 15 tons uh, autoclave. And normally, at autoclaves, uh, I think, according to, to to my research, is I think is one 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 of the inventors of the autoclave was Don Don Francisco or Elario Sousa, one of the Sousa producers, uh, to make it efficient, to make more efficient and more consistency in the cooking. Uh, However, we use the autoclaves in a lower temperature, uh, so that reduces the pressure and the time. And instead of doing it in eight, ten hours, we do it in sixteen hours, plus eight hours of uh, it's like a natural resting. Cool down. Not, not, not the cool down, but close, uh, because the 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 heat is the steam is still there. So we keep it. Uh, we made injection for sixteen hours of steam with the less than one kilogram and less than 90 uh, Celsius degree. And then after those 16 hours, we rested for eight hours more, close, completely close. So that, that will give us more uh, slow cooking, if you will. Okay. And then we open one of the doors of the, of the autoclave to let it uh, cool down. And what is very cool about the, the distillery is that we have these uh, baskets that uh, with a leaf is handled every basket that we put the agave. So we try to protect the people that the labor people that it's in contact with the with the worn agave because at the beginning we realized that they they over the years they have uh, problems in their in their hands because of the and their bonds in their hands because yeah, of hard the, work. Uh, yes. So in order to avoid that, we implement this uh, system which has uh, baskets. Uh, stainless steel basket and is moved with the so it's we can say that the autoclaves are low load and unload with leaves not with the with the hands of the people okay then exactly it's a rolling it's a system of uh, extraction we call tren de molienda which is a, a set of four rolling mills to extract with the the water i haven't mentioned the water but the, one of the things that we are pursuing, and not many people pay attention, is the water. Sixty yeah. percent of the of the te- of any well, of any tequila of eighty proof is is water, and the water it's important in both process. In one is the destruction is where we add the water, and in the fermentation to balance, let's say the bricks, the initial bricks for fermentation. That's where we put contact water. Uh, and the water that we use in that process 
come from a deep well, 150 meters down the ground, inside the distillery. The distillery is 1502, it's called La Authentica, it's located in the heart of the Tequila Valley, in the Tequila Town, Tequila Country. And this, this water, uh, you know, has been filtrated for the volcanic uh, area yep. for many, many years. So we extract and it's very rich in minerals. So it's going to provide uh, flavor in the fermentation, even before the dilution, the fermentation. Yeah. And, and then obviously that water is desmineralized to uh, remove any mineral and to to just reduce the alcohol by volume, the dilution process. And then from there, so so we now we've extracted, we've got that that beautiful juice, and then we're going into fermentation. And you said open air fermentation. Is this uh, with the fibers? Is this in steel? Is this in concrete? How, how are you guys doing fermentation? Well, we, ha- like I said, we, we did trail and error, and we experimented using the fiber inside in a, in a concrete uh, pools, if you will, and in a closed fermentation tanks, wooden fermentation tank, stainless steel. At the end, yeah. we decided to use stainless steel open tanks, okay. and we we decided exactly the filtration of the during the extraction. There is a a filter, a stainless steel filter with some holes. So we decided how much fiber is gonna pass, the size of the fiber. So we want fiber, but not too much fiber. Okay. We have, let's say, like two inches uh, diameter of the filter that pass fiber. But so we got the, we, we identify that the, the more fiber we put in the fermentation, the more intensity in the flavor of the yeah. earthiness, the agave, beautiful flavors. But a big problem is the methanols. It's uh, the, the the fiber can produce, and this is a problem with tajona as well. So that's why many distilleries blend tajona and and the rolling mill. Because if you use everything with the fermenting uh, with fiber, it's a risky of methanol. Well, so we decided to use uh, open fermentation, natural yeast. All the yeast that uh, we use is not champagne, is not wine, is not uh, bread. It's just yeast that comes from the environment, from the agave. What we do only is uh, the first tank that we prepare with uh, let it uh, to ferment it completely, completely natural, and that takes seven, five to seven days. Nowadays, when when it's a summer time, it's faster rather than in a winter time. It's Worn more out. active and it's yeah. very aggressive. Let's say the, the the activity of the of the yeast, the natural yeast. But after the first day, we separate uh, a certain percentage of the first uh, tank, and we put natural nutrients, uh, a source of of nitrogen. Uh, so we can add air and reproduce the yeast, the, the population of yeast. Uh, so we, once we have the desired population yeast that we can measure in a lab, we put it in the next day tank, fermentation tank. That gives us a standard, okay. a minimum of, uh, our minimum is uh, it's three days of fermentation, but no longer than five days. We identified that between three and five days is the perfect aromas creation that we want for our profile. Before two days is too soon, and we see in the industry that in order to accelerate the process, more and more aggressive is that produce uh, very efficient in alcohol, but not in flavors. So we want a balance and one natural, in a natural way, but controlling the process. That is what we call the inoculation and propagation in a natural way. 
and that is our fermentation. It's a, it goes from 11 bricks, which is the, the percentage of concentration of sugar, and goes down to one less than 1% when, that, when all the sugar is ate by, by the, the yeast, and the alcohol by volume in a, in a perfect fermentation will be half of the bricks, let's say 5.5, but never is perfect. It's a, I would say it's 5%, 4.8. It's like a beer. Is 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 the dead mosto? Yeah, and one of the policies that we have is not it's to avoid the second fermentation, the acetic or malolactic fermentation. Many distilleries, especially in Highlands, because I visit many uh, distilleries that put you know classic music and all these things, which is valid. I I I think everyone can do uh, many things, but many distilleries in the Highlands, I, I noticed that. They love the acetic fermentation. What is the acetic or malolactic fermentation? It's a second fermentation. It's once the sugar is done, is completely done by, by the yeast, a second distillation starter. And it's going to give you more uh, milky uh, flavor, more cheesy. Is it, is it sour? Is it, does it become sour or is it just, just more, more, more milky? I would say it's sour, but not too much sour. I would say it's more cheese like okay. a fermented cheese like very strong cheese this is this is a second round that is of fermentation exactly that they and do we don't this? want that in, in particular we, we as soon as the first fermentation is done we need to uh, schedule uh, the the distillation so we can start separating the the alcohol so a lot's gone into this process. When when we start at the beginning and it just up and we haven't even hit distillation, there's a lot that I mean you guys have trout in there. You have you had a goal to set out to to make it you didn't just say, Hey, I want to make tequila. You you said this is the type of tequila that I want to make. This is the profile. This is the flavor. And there's a lot that goes. I mean, very honorable to to see. Partita's a brand that you know. I've got a lot of brands that come on the show that they may not be as well known to to the mass market and may not be as available. Partita, I've seen it. I mean, you've got great distribution, and to know that. Pretty much anybody can go to a store and to see these bottles on the shelf and to know all the hard work that's gone into it, it is really incredible. So we, we've got fermentation. And then again, talk to me about the trial and error with distillation, because there's a lot of ways that you could dial yes. this in. Talking about distillation, uh, we decided to do the old traditional with, which is pot steel, but not completely copper. The very old traditional, well, if it's not the clay uh, distillation, which is the mezcal, is the uh, ancestral, yeah, is yeah, the yeah. ancestral way. We decided not to do the ancestral and not uh, completely copper because in, in those times when we started Partida, the FDA and CRT was, uh, you know, copper produced uh, a substance that it may cause uh, cancer. You know? So many distillers start going away from uh, copper, but we say, hey, copper provide a pretty nice uh, profile in the, in the taste of the tequila. So we, yeah. we decided to do outside stainless steel but inside the the coil made out of copper first distillation and second distillation is the same stainless steel outside copper inside i will say what makes different partita is in any tequila one of the big questions that i have when i was in, in in high school is what makes different well the distillation is is very important because the the decision of cut heads and tails which is the first product that you obtain in the distillation is the head, and the last product is the is the tails, and then you want the heart. And the reason you want the heart is yeah. because 
is very simple. I, I learned over the years that it's simple, and that's why the maestros mescaleros, that they don't have any education, any you know formal education, they know exactly when is the cut of heads and tail because it's very visual and it's tasting. We learn by the sense, no? So if you see the water in yeah, the distillation, yeah. it's like a cloudy coconut water and then it's turned to a more, not completely crystal in the fir first distillation, but turns, no? It's, it's not white, it's not uh, green, and now yeah. it's like more like a more cleaner water. That is the right moment. So we measure that and that is the art. Every batch is different. No, you cannot say, okay, always it's going to be 20 liters, uh, the heads and tail. So you have to be there. You have to, to trust and to educate your master distiller, the person that are, is in the, in the distillation itself, just the distillation. You're going to be expert in this part, and your goal is to find exactly the cuts of head. But the difference of Partida is that, is that we monitor and we are committed to all every single production process, not just to, okay, we're going to hire an advisor and it's going to set the the formula, the recipe, and you're going to follow. No, no. You need to interact and to make decisions over the production process. Yeah. And one big difference between what we do and other distillers is that we don't reduce heads and tails. Okay. Heads and tails contains still alcohol that if you either send it back to fermentation or read the steel, you're going to juice it. Maybe not on a premium tequila, but maybe a, you know, for a blending or for, because it has a lot of character, a lot of flavor because high yeah. uh, su alcohol is superior, superior alcohol, uh, methanols, very strong flavors, but in a high concentration yeah, is, is not good for the human consumption. Head, you cut heads and tails. It's not being rolled back in. What you're doing, in a sense, is you're taking your yield from this to, to this. Again, in an industry where, where time is money, you guys are saying, we're not concerned about that. We want to make sure that the product that we're putting out is... Again, we keep going back to a reflection of what we started out to do. And so you're you're discarding those heads and tails for that distillation. And then it gets distilled a second yes, time. Yes, and the other thing is the alcohol by volume that you decided to get the ordinary, which is the first distillation. Many distilleries decide what what is going to be the, that. In our case, it goes from 5%, let's say f less than 5%, the dead mosto, to ordinary of 24 to 26% alcohol by volume. Okay. And in the second distillation, again, heads and tails separated, and the concentration, the heart of the distillation is now tequila blanco at that point. It's going to be between 55 to 56%. And then you're cutting it to dial it back a little bit for that 40%? Yes, in the case of blanco, yes. In the case of the aging tequilas, is high alcohol by volume. Once that, for that Blanco, as that comes off, and I've got some of your, your original Blanco here. Once that comes off, is it resting in stainless steel or is it going right into the bottles or what's that process like for your Blanco? In our Blanco, we want to rest at least 20, 21 days, three weeks in a stainless steel without movement, without light, high alcohol okay. volume. Once that process is done, we're going to start the dilution with uh, this mineral acid water to uh, close to the desirable alcohol by volume. I would say to 41.5, close to 40. And we're gonna add, we okay. develop a tank that has uh, an injection of air in four different, in, in let's okay. say in a, in a cross, no? And that cross has uh, a small bubble. And this small bubble uh, generate and give us a stability because the tequila change over the time when it's produced. It's very stressed yeah. in the, once it's the steel, 
the molecules and the atoms of the alcohol. It's crazy, you know? It needs to stabilize. Yes, need to set, set it down, to rest, and it's going to change for good. So we're going to do that, and we're going to taste it. For uh, we, we created two panel tasting, one at the distillery and one in Guadalajara offices. So every batch, every production, what we do, we need to taste and to make sure that the tequila is good. If we have some comments, we can improve with more stability or more air. It's the only uh, resources we have. Or the other is to blend with another batch. Man, on the, this is fresh. This is, you know, when I see it, I'm going to be honest with you. When I see it, I think, hey, this is a good workhorse tequila, a great, to, you know, with great cocktails. This is a great sipping tequila. I love sipping on a good Blanco, and this is fresh. This has that agave there, a little sweetness, that pepper. All of those things are there, and I, I am very impressed with this Blanco. So, I mean, everything that you're saying speaks to this process. To After hearing you discuss it, I go, yeah, I'm expecting this to be a, a very delicious Blanco, and it really is. Uh, yes, Doc. Uh, we, we, our goal in Blanco, because it's the base of the rest, is we put a lot of attention. And quite honest, it's my favorite is of any tequila Blanco because it's the one that doesn't hide anything. And, and in hypothetic speaking, it's supposed to be uh, with no additives, any Blanco. So you cannot uh, fool anybody with Blancos. It's, it's, it's what... In the industry, we yeah. said, okay, show me your Blanco and I will tell you who you are, no? Yeah, a great base for the rest yeah. of the lineup. Yeah, this, this is a delicious Blanco. Yeah, over the years, we believe that our Blanco is a real and fresh expression of, of blue agave. Like I said, crystal clear looking or appearance. And what we are looking in any tequila, it's a perfect harmony, a good balance between aromas and flavors because... Sometimes it smells good, but doesn't taste good. Or the other way around, tastes good, but doesn't smell good. So we want a perfect balance yeah. between the whole experience. Not in a shot glass, we recommend a champagne glass or a tequila glass or so, something that uh, you can yeah. uh, see. Those exactly. aromas will come up. Yeah, you can see it. Yeah, very fresh, very bright. There's a little heat there, but it's not overpowering. This is very easy to sip on. And and I would imagine, you know, in, in a cocktail, I, I don't do too many cocktails. I, I love sipping on tequila, neat room temperature. And this is a, a very strong Blanco here with your original tequila partita. Absolutely Yes, delicious. thank you. We want a strong personality, but at the same time, uh, fresh with, uh, you know, herbal, because it's herbal, earthy, and citrix are the three elements yep. that we identify as the valley. So we want to represent that in a, in a, in a very good balanced way. So we s also see hints of tropical fruits and vanilla. Vanilla, okay. I, I have found vanilla even is a blanco. Yeah, I, I can get that vanilla off of this. The agave cook, the sweet potato, the black pepper, the volcanic minerals, the terroir, and grapefruit. Yeah, that earthiness, that deep water. And then this is also going you've got for your original lineup you've got your reposado and you've got your añejo talk to me a little bit about what kind of barrels for this reposado how long are they aging and and really what did you experiment with did you experiment with different barrels did you experiment with you know three months six months eight months nine months what, what's going on yes, with your reposado? according to the law of making tequila you can use two types of wood one is oak and the other is encino uh, in, in practice the majority of uh, producers of tequila use oak, and, and the reason is because of the flavor yeah. is, 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 is sweeter, I will say. And, and also it's more available, the oak, because of the bourbon industry. And 
we experimented with new oak, with French oak, with American, Canadian oak. And at the end of the day, we decided to use bourbon, uh, ex-bourbon, uh, with a... Okay. Worn yes, bourbon barrels. Uh, but, you know, in bourbon, and I didn't know until I do the research, in bourbon, there, the mash bill, which is uh, how the bourbon is made, they're, they're, by yeah. law, it's a minimum of, of corn, no? But uh, the maximum, it can goes from 51 to, I don't know, 90%. So we okay. identify that we want bourbon with high uh, corn concentration in their mash bill. And, and that's the one okay. we used three years. And I will say, and let me tell you this very honest, we only use our barrels uh, three years. We don't use any more because we are, what we look is to make a contrast of this volcanic, earthy, mineral blanco to make it more sweet in a natural way, uh, extracting the uh, the bourbon that was in the white American medium toast, uh, 200 liter uh, barrel. And, 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 okay. and, you know, in the industry, you can either source the barrels from brokers or other distilleries, tequila distilleries, but what we do is we source directly from the bourbon company. So they shipping within 10 days, uh, they certify that, and we put the tequila right away. This is crucial. Okay. This is yeah, crucial. Freshness. Because, exactly, freshness. And, and like I said, three years after that, we sell the barrels. We don't retoast because in our ex- experimenting process in the right in the beginning we noticed that if you buy new barrels and toast is okay but if you buy used barrels and then retoast and reburn it's going to give you color right away in two months yeah. but the color is not the most important thing so yeah. the color that we have in all our aging product including bl- uh, reposado añejo extra añejo roble fino all of them is a natural uh, color we don't, we, don't, uh, we don't use, obviously, any caramel color, which is allowed, but yeah. we don't use. And the color that you see, the, the, the tone, if you will, the Pantone, is, is natural from the oak. So this Reposado, you're, you're going ex-bourbon barrels, and what, what age, how long is that Reposado resting in there? Yes, uh, a minimum of six uh, months. Uh, according okay. to my law, it's two, two months, a minimum of two months to one year becomes so, an yeah, añejo. Yeah, a year. Yeah. Uh, at the beginning, we we was exactly six months. Nowadays, we have noticed that the industry of bourbon barrels are doing something like a hot washing, so extracting more flavor. So that okay. is uh, is gonna f- is, it has been affected our aging time. So our, now our reposado sometimes is eight months to nine to even a year. Oh wow! So and I imagine that's all you're going off of taste. There's no, you know, formula that it has to be six months or whatever. You guys are are tasting it and it's getting to that profile that you want to see in that reposado there. So, yeah. And then you've got that same is is aging longer for the Añejo. Talk to me a little bit about, you know, same barrels, just more time. What's the time that you're doing for the Añejo? It's the same barrels. It's more time. It's at least 18 months and it's the same okay. of the reposado. It's the minimum. But uh, our policy in the aging room is once a month, we open random barrels of every batch. No? Let's say if I have a 50 barrels batch, I open four to five barrels uh, every month and extract a sample. So we measure color and do tasting in panels with the people at the distillery here at the office. And at the end, we take a, a decision uh, of if the, if the product is ready or not. 
And, you know, tequila is very regulated. So anytime you're opening barrels, the CRT, they have to be there, correct? They're there. So anybody, you know, as you listen, I mean, I love just learning about this process and knowing, man, how involved the CRT is very regulated for, for you to schedule. Hey, we're going to, we're going to open these barrels. We're, we're going to taste them and test it. So you, you've got that Añejo there, uh, aging and, you know, a really strong lineup. And then not too long ago, you guys came out with your Roble Fino line, which, man, really is a classic. I mean, just the bottle presentation is is beautiful. You went on a trip that really changed. I, I can tell, man, you love learning about all of this. Talk to me about this trip that you went on as we start to introduce this Roble Fino, because I've got a little bit poured here, and I'm excited to, to taste this. So talk to me about the trip you went on, what you learned, and then that, you know, as you came back, how you changed kind of thinking of how I want to start making tequila. Right. So back in 2018, on September, I was lucky enough to visit, uh, uh, let's say, finest Scotch whiskey in the Highlands, in the Space River side of Scotland. And I was uh, lucky enough to meet uh, the people who make the whiskey, the whiskey makers, the whiskey blenders, uh, the master of woods, and the production guys, actually, in every distillery that I visit. And one thing that I learned is that whiskey is amazing, has more, you know, a lot of uh, uh, history, a lot of culture. Oh, and, yeah. the pe- and the people is super nice, uh, especially the Scottish people. That, I mean, uh, I'd never been in Scotland before, and it was amazing to learn from uh, these guys and learn about aging specifically. The production process is similar. Instead of using agave, they, they, they use barley and malted barley. Yeah. Uh, but it's the sugar fermented and then distilled. And they, 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 they do the new make, what they call the blanco is the new make. But they don't sell the new make. They just sell aging whiskeys. So the point of differentiation of the whiskey is the, the desirable barrels, the desirable uh, and the mastery they have in, in oak. And we were able to bring some barrels after this trip to tequila to experiment in different sizes, but punchon, which is 500, 600 liters, uh, egg sherry, uh, season uh, cask with the uh, uh, European Curcus rubus oak, which is uh, in, in the north of Spain, in Galicia, and then in, in, in Jerez with, the, with sherry, for three years, and then Scotland used with whiskey for twice process of 21 years because to call single malt is 12 years, so they use it twice, 20. Okay. Uh, and then put it tequila, and we experiment and use it tequila blanco, reposado, añejo, and extrañejo. At the end of the day, we said blanco, no, it's too much sherry, and the whiskey doesn't go well. Okay. We decided to use only reposado and añejo. And it was the first idea to launch a product, and we didn't know the name until we decided to use oak. Uh, Roble is oak in Spanish, and Fino, because it's one of the finest distilleries that we visit. And and we were able to to use this uh, super desirable uh, cask. And at the end, we, we decided to include a third product, which is a Cristalino. And I can tell you about the cold category, but at the end we decided to do reposado using our reposado yeah. uh, as a baseline, finishing for two months in this sherry. In these we, sherry casks, okay. 
Yes, we experimented over six months, but we and we measure every every week. It was a tough <laughs> task to do, but every yeah. week sample and and ask the CRT permission to break the seal, open the barrel, make a sample. It was exhausting for the CRT and for us, but yeah. at the end we define a perfect formula finishing because if it's more time of aging finishing, it's too much sherry. It's not balanced, and what we are trying to 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 find is a perfect balance between agave, bourbon, uh, sherry, and single malt whiskey. Yeah, you want that agave to still still be front and center. You still want it to be tequila. We don't want this to turn into that that whiskey there. So so you've got your your base for your reposado. It's now going in the sherry casks for for around two months two months and a beautiful color. I mean, beautiful color. This is a little little higher proof. A uh, little higher proof for it uh, than the forty percent with this reposado. What was that really? You wanted it to just kind of shine through there, or what? Why did you want this a, a little hotter there on the higher proof? Well, the decision it was uh, to increase the alcohol by volume because we learned, or I learned in Scotland, that most of the most of the whiskies are high alcohol by volume. Yeah. Because they have many years in aging, so I I did a correlationship between the time of the complexity of the tequila or any spirit with the alcohol by volume, and and it's funny because the more alcohol by volume is make it uh, smoother, no? Is okay. It, many people can think uh, it's a stronger, no? Maybe it's yeah. a, it's more alcoholic, but it's, it's smoother. Actually, if you taste tequila from the fifty five percent, hundred and ten proof at, right up at the alambic. It's going to be soft, maybe even warm. But, okay. uh, yeah, so I decided to to make it 43% because 43 is a perfect, uh, again, trail and error. We, we did with 42, 44, 45, up to 50. And we learned that 50 is too much and then go down, go down until 43 and do focus group, people, panel tasting. And at the end, the decision was, okay, I won 43%. And that was, that was the, the, the reposado. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful color, beautiful bottles. These are different bottles, and and I'll do a, a YouTube recap video that that will showcase these bottles. But but gorgeous bottles here for this presentation. But this is a a nice golden color here. I mean, nothing too dark. So th this is going to be somewhere in that maybe ten month ten month range. I mean, if we've got eight months in your normal reposado, and then two months in these sherry casts, so eight to ten months in a barrel be between these barrels. But man, really, really great color on the nose. It, to me, it's it's floral. There's some. I, I do get some vanilla coming out of this. Yeah, yeah, really great nose. To me, it's it's an intense and brilliant uh, amber color with a yeah, yeah. silky and I would say delicate body. I can notice flavors such as cook agave, uh, yeah. cherry. I mean, not cherry, but cherry, watermelon, yeah, yeah. coconut, vanilla you mentioned, the caramel, maple syrup. I would say dry fruits and raisin is one of the most distinct flavors that the sherry cask has. If you smell a sherry cask, so I, I pick up a lot of uh, raisins and dates. Yeah, I mean, th this is, if you are a whiskey lover, you would pick this up and you would say, man, I want to sip on this all night long. 
I mean, th this is just for your thought process to go, hey, let's try something new. I love tequila makers that are, are willing to to push the boundaries that are saying, hey, let's try something and to come out with this with this new line for this Roble Fino. Man, really well done with this Reposado. You did mention that you've got a Cristalino. Talk to me. I don't have it here, but talk to me a little bit about the Cristalino for anybody that doesn't know what a Cristalino is. And, you know, for me, Cristalinos, it's hard to make a, a good Cristalino without having having additives. A lot of times there's a, a sweetener to it and you guys are going, no, no, this is still 100% additive free. So talk to me a little bit about your Cristalino for this Roble Fino and, and what that is. Yes. Well, Cristalino is very popular in Mexico since 2010, since yeah. 11 years ago. I remember back in 2011, I was in an event and uh, uh, the presentation of, of a new Cristalino, Don Julio 70, was in that event. And I tried it and I, and I, I had the opportunity to speak with Enrique de Colza, which is the general manager in that time of Don Julio, and say, hey, it's a celebration of 70 years of the company and we want to make an innovation. So I tasted and I said, Enrique, I mean, it's sweet. To me, it doesn't taste agave, no? and you lose many complexity yeah. of the aging. Yeah, why, is the, why is the reason? It's, it's no reason to say, ah, we want to invent something new and let, let's give some time. And yeah. at the end, he was right. There's a huge market. And nowadays in Mexico, the sales in tequila, I will say, is driven by Cristalinos. I've heard that. Yeah, in the United States, we're not, we're not there yet in the United States. But in Mexico, Cristalinos are very popular. It is very popular, so I, I, I said, no, I don't want to do Cristalinos, and I want to f keep focus on perfecting Partida, Blanco, Reposado, Añejo, and Extrañejo, and, and we did that for 15 years. Yeah. And two years ago, we, we decided to start doing a Cristalino Añejo, and we launched last year the, the Añejo, as well as the Roblefino Cristalino. Okay. And, and I was I was com completely convinced about Cristalino at the beginning because everything that I taste it was over sweet and I'm, I decided personal to quit smoking and to quit sugar and, and soda so I can have a, a very refined palate so I can identify additives because you know at the end of the day in in, in additives free program is tasting yeah. I mean you yeah, can go to a lab and. It's tasting. You can you yeah. can ask Scarlett, and and they they're gonna tell you that it's tasting. Uh, so the more refined you have the tasting, and I noticed that ninety, I would say ninety, I would say only two brands that I found I, I cannot mention those brands, but they don't have. I noticed they don't have additive freeze. Very yeah. honest brands. One is pretty. I, I pretty know what you're new. talking about. One is pretty new. And it's it's big yep. company, but it's it's it's, yep. it's very nice, very decent company. Uh, Israel is in the valley. <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, well, that company, and I said, okay, we need to identify, uh, we need to experiment. So we did it in the lab. And one of the things that we identify is that if we abuse of uh, activated carbon in quantity and time in contact with the tequila, a collateral problem with the tequila is that make very astringent. You taste it and it's very acid. You don't the finishing is not pleasant. It's, so a very easy way to fix it is to put glycerin and to yeah. put sweet yes, uh, vanilla, uh, you name it, caramel, whatever. Yeah. Or even agave syrup, which is allowed, no? Uh, like herradura. So like agave nectar or? Yes, herradura, they, they state in the label. They put, uh, uh, they, we put agave nectar, which is okay. Okay. 
Yeah. Well, yeah. in our case, we said, okay, if we're going to do a crystalline, we're going to do it in our way, which is no additives. So it was a big challenge because that, that means in, a, in the equation to use the minimum activated carbon, the best quality of activated carbon, then the less time possible. So as you can see, our crystallinos, we have like 3 4% of color. It's not completely crystal. Okay. And that is the okay. reason. You're not stripping it back. You're not removing so much of that, you know, that that flavor, that agave profile, still keeping a little bit. So for anybody that doesn't know, you know, Cristalinos, they're usually Reposados or Añejos, and, and they're starting out, they're going to get to that dark color. And then through a different filtration, you're bringing it back to a clear tequila for those Cristalinos. Exactly. So okay. we did that with the boat and people like the Cristalinos and I think they like our Cristalinos because it's different that the, it's not super sweet. It's not artificial. It's just the yeah. wood. There's some aga agave still, still there, agave. still present. Yep. Okay. So that's your Cristalino. And then you do have an Añejo. You've got an Añejo. Man, this color, when you put the Reposado Roblefino and the Añejo next to each other, I mean, they, they both are, are close in color but you can see in that in yeho that that there's a it's it's more gold i mean it, it just deepens in that color talk to me about how, how long that we're doing with this roblefino and it's already been in a barrel with your your base of your añejo from their standard lineup yes uh our standard añejo is 18 months a minimum okay and one of the main flavors that we pick up in our añejo is dark chocolate and yeah. coffee as well and banana Okay. That's the three aromas that over 300 visitors, bartenders, bar manager, people, consumers have identified. I would say doing a statistic is the three aromas that we pick up most. Uh, scotch whiskey as well. And after these 18 months of uh, export bombardment, what we do is use it as a base uh, for the Roble Fino using this uh, ex sherry uh, single malt scotch whiskey for five months. Okay. We decided to do longer than the Reposado because one thing that we learned, Doc, is that with Reposado, the color, let's say, is 20% in units, and our Añejo is 40%. The less unit you have, the more capacity to extract color. So that means our Reposado uh, has 80% of space to extract color. The more saturated is the tequila, the capacity to extract color and flavor is less, uh, less the capacity. So that's why the Añejo is, is more saturated than Reposado and, and therefore need to uh, take a little longer. So it took five more months. And that's why we, at the same time, decided to put it 45% alcohol by volume, okay. 90, 90 proof. So 90 proof stronger on the, on the alcohol there. Man, on the nose... It, there's a deepness, there's a richness with this. I mean, both of these, I have not tried the Cristalino, but both that I have tried, really, really in-depth flavor. And that sherry cask is really adding to it. And to your point, that that higher proof, you don't taste it. You, do, you would not taste this and think, okay, this is 45% at a 90 proof. It's still very soft and very well-rounded to be able to take a sip of. I would say it's an, it's an art to decide the alcohol by volume, but between 43 to 46% the tequila, uh, it's, it's perfect for people who appreciate the strong personality. And, and, and this is a complex tequila. It's not an easy tequila. I would say it's not a, 
uh, one flavor. It has a multiple yeah. history flavor of aging, agave, uh, whiskey, scotch. Yeah, there's some oak, a touch of leather, but that agave is still very much there. Man, a little heat just on that back end as it, for me, as it goes down, but man, a really, really good Añejo. Both of these, if, if you are a, I mean, if you're a tequila lover, but if you're a whiskey lover, this is something that I think you would be absolutely all into for these Roble Fino. And these are pretty limited. I, th I think I read that there's only so many bottles of this that, that you guys created. Talk to me a little bit about the production for this Roble Fino. Well, the first production it's, uh, was launched last year in April, but it was when the, the COVID hit uh, globally. Okay. So we were planning to, to do a launching in, in, in on-premise accounts in, in, in the major cities in the U.S., but because of this COVID situation, we we were uh, unable to do or to delay. And instead of delay, we launched it, but in the off-premise business part, which is, uh, you know, liquor store and yeah. grocery store. So we launched it and it's gone. The inventory, it's 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 already there, but it's in, in, in liquor yeah, it's, store. It's out. And so if you find it, grab it, because once it's gone, it's it's gone. Correct? Correct. And we are, we send end of, 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 of May we sent uh, the first container to California and to New York uh, of the second edition. So we, okay. it was a very good, uh, thank God, people love it and like yeah. it. So we launched a second edition. Okay, so there's more more to come if you if you missed out on the first round for exactly. it there. But also it's limited this second edition. So we are now start working for the third edition aging. One thing that uh, it's a challenge in the whole industry is to plan, you know, because it takes time, no? The añejo, yeah. and now it's a shortage in the whole industry of, of añejos, extrañejos, and you cannot speed it out that, no? Because it's, it's a minimum of certain time. Yeah, so. time is time. Hey, incredible lineup. Jose, thank you so much for, for being here. Before I let you go, I want to make sure, you know, as I've said, Partita, th this is very easy to find. You guys have really great distribution. If anybody finds Partita, I want to encourage you to, to, to try it, to taste it. If you can get your hands on some of the Roble Fino. Is there any other online that for Roble Fino that you can, you can purchase? Uh, I want to make sure we have time for, you know, your, your website, any social media that people can continue to follow the journey of Partita. Of course, uh, you can find us in our website webpage which is partiratequila.com and you can okay. you can buy products there in our webpage also you can follow up in our social media in instagram as tequila partida and in facebook as partida tequila really active on social media well, again, I, I can tell from the very beginning your your passion for this, your uh, love to learn. And, and really, I mean, I, I love going back to when you were a teenager saying, hey, I, I've got a desire to set out to make a tequila that is great, that I can share. And, you know, I, I, I do what I do because of community. All of this is to create community for people to sit together like we're doing here and to taste this together. People pick up different things on the palate, but man, a beautiful story with Partida. So, Jose, great job great work making the lineup of the original lineup and this new roble fino and thank you so much for being on the show thank you doc for having me and for the opportunity absolutely cheers my friend cheers cheers that was jose valdez with partita tequila you can learn more about the brand and purchase by going to partitatequila.com be sure to follow me on instagram at agave social club and thanks for listening